Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fifth season, we are looking at Joe Johnston's 2011 film Captain America, The First Avenger. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. Pete will be back next time. I promise. I swear. It's true. Uh, today, we are talking about Minute 45, which begins with Schmidt's offer to show his work and ends with Schneider telling Schmidt he's mad. Back on the show today, sadly for the last time this week, it is the team from the Timeline Scavengers podcast, James Anderson and Colin Parker. Hello. 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 Come on in. Take a look around. It's fine. It's totally yeah, it's, safe. It's totally fine here. <laughs> it's totally fine. And it's also not going to get into my brain at the fact that I was first on the list four out of five times. <laughs> and that, the last second, James suddenly became at the top. Ooh. I shake things up. I'm glad we. I'm glad we both noticed that. I was because I was getting ready to do the thing that I did last time, which is like, as my name is being said, be like, close, <laughs> just so you know which voice is which. And then you said James first, and it threw me for a loop. Clearly, and I was like, oh god, what now do I do back, now? now you're backpedaling, and it's going to be. A, I have to talk raw. backwards this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'll be fun. All right, start from the end of the scene. <laughs> That's then. right. That'll help me. All right. Um, well, we're coming in on mid word. Uh, this is Schmidt. He's kind of like, um, I know he had a little bit of a moment in the last minute because Schneider called him Red Skull. He said, your boss calls you Red Skull behind your back. Um, this is really also a great moment right at the start of this minute where you can see as he kind of turns, he's got that huge scar. Kind of, It looks like a scar running from like mid ear down below his collar. And we slowly start seeing little things like he, he, he looks a little less healthy. He's a little more red around the eyes. He doesn't look as crisp as we've seen him in the past. And so I feel like we're getting closer to to the reveal, the yeah. big reveal. Yeah. And I suppose I don't know, I guess question for the two of you. Um, I don't know where you were with your Captain America comic history as far as Captain America and Red Skull. But when you came into this film, were you surprised that Red Skull was just a regular looking dude as opposed to a guy wearing like or with a big red face? Or were you like, oh, well, surely at some point he's going to put either put a mask on or take his human face off? What were your expectations when you came into this film? Uh, I definitely was expecting, I, I wasn't sure if it was going to be a reveal or if it was going to be kind of like, you know, uh, Jack Nicholson's Joker, like turning on screen. Like, I wasn't sure if there was going to be some sort of moment. Like, I mean, like, you know, before the mask pull situation, you know, which I, not to, you know, spoiler, um, I almost expected perhaps the fire, uh, in the base to maybe be something that was going to cause some sort of issue, like as things were like blowing up and stuff like that. But it, because we start to see sort of the seams, uh, literally kind of fall off or like, kind of like start to rip tear things like that. It did start to sort of paint an idea that like, we're, we're dealing with a Scooby-Doo situation <laughs> that it, it, but it like in reverse it, that instead of underneath the red skull, it was really old man Schmidt. It's that underneath the old man Schmidt. It's actually red skull, hmm. which is scarier. Yeah. Because we are monsters, yeah, right? Right. That's what Scooby Doo teaches us, right? In, un, right. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I was expecting sort of a Jack Nicholson situation. I don't remember when I saw this. It certainly wasn't right away, but like, it did not surprise me when he pulled off his 
Well, because didn't we in the flashbacks? No, we never see. No. It. We have not seen. We never unless see. Unless you go frame by frame when he's doing his portrait, right when he turns the light off, there's a brief hint of kind of the the skull face there, but right. it's it's already fading out. It's incredibly hard to tell, and and watching the it, biggest flex, yeah, you really can't tell. So, yeah. So I guess I guess I just was like, yeah, this guy. Maybe it's a symbolic skull. Oh no, nope, nope. There it is. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely expecting it because, like, I was never a huge Captain America person, like, comic books-wise. And, like, the only thing I really knew about him and, like, his, like, uh, cavalcade of people that he's fought is Red Skull. Like, that's the only, like, person that I really ever, like, to me, Captain America was more like an Avenger. Like, that's that's all I ever really ever read of him. I don't think he's I like ever read. the first read. Avenger. Yeah. No, but I, I don't think I ever actually read, like, growing up or, like, when I was younger, I don't think I ever read an actual Captain America book. I think I only ever saw him in Avengers books, so, like, I always saw him fighting whoever their main threat was or perhaps one of his villains stepping in to try and, you know, do their thing as, you know, your Red Skulls, your Green Goblins, people like that often do at times. Yeah, I, I mean, I never, yeah, when they did, I was actually just reading, um, with my weird system of what I'm reading, like the Heroes Reborn uh, series from 96 or whatever, when they like sacrificed themselves for Onslaught and like suddenly uh, Captain America, Avengers, Iron Man and Fantastic Four were rebooted. And so I was like, well, I'm going to get all of these number ones because, you know, when, when did number ones of these big books ever happen? He's that because I was I was much younger and, and more naive. Um, <laughs> well, that was before Marvel started rebooting it every two yeah, years, it, basically. Yeah, um, but really, you know, so I got Captain America and I read it, and like like Colin was saying, like I didn't, I was like, okay, that's that's fine, but like read, you know, like being able to access it through Marvel Unlimited and stuff, and sort of really dig in. There's some interesting stuff. But I would especially recommend you go read, uh, like early like Captain America comics from the forties Red Skull stuff. It is wild. Where it's like <laughs> I'm Red Skull. I I have poisoned teeth, or like my I'm gonna leave a Red Skull artifact that if it but like it's all sorts of like does he have a Red Skull or is that like his pumpkin bomb thing for Green Goblin like. And it's both, and it's neither, and it's absolutely old wild. comics really leaned into gimmicks, like in a way that like reminds me a lot of like wrestling. You know what I mean? Which I feel like I dig a lot. Sure, I think, but like this was a situation where it was it would almost be like he has a red skull from the start, and then he. I think I said this on a recent podcast we had edited, but yeah, on, on ours, and he pulls yeah. off the red skull mask, and underneath the red skull mask is another like is actually another like red person. skull, like. It that was how it was in the '40s comics, where he's like, "I'll just leave these red skulls everywhere as like threats," but he still has a red skull. Like it, it. Well, and and I mean, the first yeah. time it, it was a it was a decoy anyway. Like he pulls it off, and it is a mask, but it was just somebody else. And so that, and and it seemed like a you know comics they they change their minds often depending right. on who's who's working on them but it was like it it seemed for a, a long time like it was actually a mask like it wasn't it was something that hitler gave him to wear that would terrify the hearts of anyone who saw him and the whole idea of him actually having gone through some sort of experiment seemed kind of like 
they, an afterthought. Like they're like, oh yeah, maybe we should do something like that. Yeah, redconning. Yeah. We, oh God. Yeah, we definitely talked about this in a recent episode for ourselves, where I think it's like the the 60s or 70s where they finally decided, no, we're going to essentially retcon it. And from now on, like, it was never a mask. Like, it was always, this is what his head was. Everything else was a mask or whatever. Like, they they finally kind of leaned into that, you know, that aesthetic, I guess. But, like, I, I, I... think it's really funny when people are like well this is clearly just like uh not a loophole but what's the word i'm looking for like when you uh when you I'm leave like something door uh, open-ended kind of but like when you accidentally leave something like wide open like a, oh, uh, a loose end loose uh yeah i've got i'm thinking of a specific term from shows and <laughs> i can't think of what it is uh but either way the idea though is that, i mean like a loose end is definitely very close to it but like i think that people frequently leave those open specifically like because then it gives Plot hole. That's what I'm looking for. Thank you. I think people leave plot holes and stuff like that all the time because, like, even if it contradicts something else, because it's like that's always where a lot of people jump off. Like, whether it's the same writer who's like, I might want to do something with that later, or someone else who's like doing their research because they've taken over and they go, I kind of want to do something with this person. Oh, hey, in 1982, you know, you know, this writer did this, so I can use that, you know, because no one's ever done anything with it yet. Like when Bendis put Jessica Jones in this old, old, old Spider-Man comic, he's like, yeah, they went to high school together. See, there she is. Yeah. And it was just some random girl. Mm-hmm. Fantastic <laughs> stuff. That's what we were saying, basically, for IMDB people to do. I don't know why I put the emphasis so weirdly on that. IMDB. Do you children still use the IMDB? hello fellow teens um no but yeah that's i I love that idea of just being like yes this character that shows up for two panels that's this person baby all right that's that's a fact and then try and get in multiple marvel movies and then try and flesh out a story in your appearances and be like hey did you know that there's a secret like make a buzzfeed article or like the secret story going on behind the scenes in marvel movies make a million dollars that's why i've been trying to get into movies and they keep throwing me off the lot they're like we you know why you can't be in this movie we were doing that in thor last season because there were some actors um in new mexico who had just because their new mexico based actors had ended up as different people in different um properties in, in marvel properties and so we were like okay so is this person then by default now They've they they are a doctor in the hospital, but they are also I, I think he was also like he was one of Loki's people in um, one of the time loops in the Loki TV show. And so we're like, OK, so is there a way that this could actually be the same person? <laughs> and yeah, I mean, that's that's what's fun is like trying to come up with those yeah. threads. Marita, yeah, them. why not? Absolutely. Why not? Yeah, exactly. To, to pull a Jim Marita. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh and it's also like doing that, but also um, the guy who in Spider-Man Homecoming says, hey, Spidey, do a flip, is also the guy who's on the bus in Shang-Chi going, hey, uh, what's up, everyone? I'm going to live stream this. And since I did one year of karate when I was six, I'm going to be doing a bunch of commentary and like grading it. As assessing, and, like, yeah, exactly. Assessing it, like which, A, super accurate for the Internet, but also like really great line and acting. You tried out for that part, didn't you, Tom? <laughs> I did, yeah. And they were like, no, we're going to go with this other guy who's affable. They actually saw him doing that on, on the internet, <laughs> and they stole it from him. Yeah. How's that lawsuit right. going? Right. He actually yeah. wasn't supposed to be in the movie. He just shows that, yeah. Or we'll put you in a Marvel movie. <laughs> mm, okay. 
Only if I get to live stream the scene, they're like, ugh, fine, fine. All right. Well, let's come back to our, our moment here. So this, to our timeline, yeah. We were talking in the in yesterday's minute about this moment that we have here. The decision point for Schmidt, as he's talking to these three, they're walking down a hallway. They happen to be outside of his lab doors. Was he intending on taking them to the lab or does he, because this guy, because Schneider called out the whole Red Skull thing, is this point where he says, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to take him in here and get it over with. Um, The fact that he is at the doors, I, I can see it both ways. He's at the doors. He probably was taking them here anyway, or was he walking them somewhere else? And he happens to be by the doors at the point that this whole thing happens with the whole Red Skull nonsense. And he's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm not taking them down to see the Valkyrie or whatever. I'm just going to turn <laughs> in here. We're going to go to the cafeteria. Go, yeah, yeah, we're going to go, right. go have some snacks. <laughs> um, so I'll jump in here because this is where my headspace is. I actually don't think that they're directly next to those doors because there's a strong cut to then show them walking through the doors, right? Versus versus walking like behind them through the doors, they cut to inside for the doors to open, right? So to me, it's, you know, that thing where, where, you know, they have the moment of they have to swim up right before he can throw him onto, uh, on the, yeah. Like, I think that it's an idea of they are close to the lab. I don't necessarily know if they are literally right outside that door because they have to physically turn camera angles, reestablish a new space and then have them walk through. Um, I have in my head, like what we were talking about yesterday of like saying, we're just going to give them a few guns and like, let them send them on their way. Like they'll be out of our hair. They are so inconsequential. Like they'll never be able to like. This will be nothing, right, to, to give away this one crate or whatever. Uh, the reason why I don't think this was initially part of the plan is because why would you then take take them, like, kind of off in the, like, even if you're walking through the halls, right? Again, it's an underground base. How, you know, how many different loops are there down there? Uh, but, like, to then walk in through the door, to me, if you were going to kill them, why would you have your big gun under a secret tarp? You know what I mean? Like, he has to walk in and, like, physically start, he has to take off the tarp, he has to turn the whole thing on, he has to start doing all these calculations, Uh, and then, again, this is something that I mentioned in our episode about this scene, is I do love the fact that he does a head count when he clearly already knows that, like, that part is definitely just for him to sort of have fun with it. Like, the fact that he's talking, he's like, oh, one, two, three, okay, great. Like, you know, clearly knows it. But, like, to me, to, like, literally unveil everything in that way, like, to me, seems like, you know, I wasn't going to monologue today, but now is the time. (laughs) Because he even, like, he even starts going through the conversation of, like, you know, he initially is just sort of like, ah, oh, you know, okay, yes, you're here for whatever. But then once they insult him, he's he kind of starts throwing the the shade right back at them, right? Like, the way he walks in uh, and he says... Hitler speaks of a thousand-year Reich. Uh, but he cannot feed his armies for a month. His troops spill their blood across every field in Europe. But still, he is no closer to achieving his goals, right? Like, so he clearly is just like... You know, like, okay, you want to talk about, like, the failings of people? Sure, I'm going to throw it right back at the guy that you're, you know, hailing or hiling here, you know, like, to be like, oh, you know, like, and, like, really kind of start putting it on them. And they're like, and I suppose you still aim to win this war through magic. And, like, they're, you know, still 
talking back and like they should realize that he's like i'm i'm in my monologue phase like this is you're adding more (laughs) fuel to my fire you know but the fact that zola is like so nervous in the background to me feels like that was not part of the plan he feels like it feels like he's like oh why are you they here hello hi we're still we're testing stuff in here what's you know hey anybody arnim zola (laughs) here hi um what's what what is this you know um, so that was that was my perspective. I thought it was just sort of like, in a way, like it felt like he was going to kind of be like walk back into the lab later on and give the 1943 version of that meeting could have just been an email, but whatever. All right, back on track. Let's you know, let's get this uh, war settled. Right? Let's you know, let's start putting things up to sixty percent in every factory. You know what I mean? Uh, like that's what it feels like to me. But then he's like, okay, you know what? All right, Kraftwerk. It's time to take your final curtain call. Let's let's step into my office. I'll take the counterpoint. Um, all right, I like this. <laughs> no, but first of all, my favorite uh, my favorite Marvel trope is science versus magic. Every time it's brought up, I swear I would I would love a tally of science will be is just magic is just science that we don't understand yet versus power and responsibility. I, I want to see like the, where's the tally of those because and then maybe like you know the powers don't make the hero the hero is a hero and the power blah 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 right um okay the heroes make the power right heroes make the heroes write the comic book power first of all I get what you're saying about like the un like taking the tarp off but I looked at that as part of the pageantry that was continued in the unnecessary headcount which m- makes a person think that he is somehow automating the canon which he is not doing he is literally being like i don't know if he's like charging it for three people but he missed well we'll we'll get there we won't we won't well we i will you you will get that right yeah um unfortunately this is where it ends for us i think that it's funny that it's an obvious canon and they aren't like hey what are you doing well, but remember, he he said, "Hey, you want to see what we're working on? I'll show you." So, I mean, he's showing them weapons. I mean, it's it's this. He's the Tony Stark here, saying, "Here, let me show you what these cool things do." If Tony Stark was like, "Yes, let me show you weapons," and while I show you weapons, let's talk about how I'm going to destroy my enemies, and they're like, "Your enemies? <laughs> Look at this nerd over here," and then he's like, "Nerd, huh?" <laughs> Well, let me keep on loading my gun in front of you, and we'll see if you stick around. You are sticking around. Okay, cool. But again, it's exactly what I was saying last episode, where it's like, they, I think that they've never had the inkling that he would break rank. That's why they're still standing there. That's why they're listening. I think that's exactly it. To a certain extent, he is them, right? They are all, I don't know his rank, but I'm guessing it's going to be kind of in that same area that they are. And so it's it's like... You know, you're, we're all working for the same guy, and he's the one in charge. None of us are. We're just we can all right. squabble and do what we want, but we all have to still answer to him. And, and I think that at no point have any of these people thought that this is a person who may be thinking that he's actually better than Hitler and is going to actually try to get ahead of him. Interesting, because mm-hmm. until they get here and they actually start seeing. There are no swastikas. It's all the Hydra logos everywhere. This is a little weird. Like, I, I feel like they're in that stage where they're like, he's kind of, and, and it's, I mean, Schmidt, or not Schmidt, Schneider says it. And he's just like, thank you for making it clear how obviously mad you are. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of the point where they've come to, like, this is this mad scientist and, and 
Hitler gave him his own little special playpen because he's kind of ugly now and he's doing some stuff and he's supposed to be making us weapons, but we need to go punish him now because he's not doing his job. And I, I feel like, yeah, I mean, like Colin was saying, I feel like they are here to punish him in no way or would they expect that he is actually going to turn these weapons on them. Right. It feels like they're they're like, you know, board members of the NRA and they're going to visit a dude that's like, oh, God, you know, Dwight Schrute over here with his his gun arsenal and whatever. Let's go visit him. And he's and he's busy taking seriously all the stuff that they're not taking seriously. They're like, we just do what the boss says. We were just following orders. And he's like, but actually, what if I actually harness this power of the gods Instead of Hitler, wouldn't I be the god here? Yeah. And why would I bow down to you or Hitler at all? Well, that's also about believing in the power structure. And like, again, like the idea of they see a different force, right? Because like they're looking at the war from what he's accomplishing, not what Red Skull is accomplishing. So to them, they're like, okay, this guy's got great power, great, you know, uh, leading skills or whatever. Like, so we're following this guy because he clearly is the the strongest here, if you will, like, like within quotations, right? The strongest. Um, but like, that is this whole thing of, hang on a second, like where, like, even, even though he's kind of giving them a little bit of a speech and sort of insulting their boss, they still haven't fully like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to describe this, but like, it doesn't really click until he says my enemies and they go your enemies. Cause they're like, whoa, 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 hang on. Let's check that language, buddy. Like, right. That's uh, that's not. It should be our enemy, like or like or his enemies. Yeah. You know, like, the enemies. They yeah. kind of stopped to correct him, right? Um, and like, I think the very first time where there's a real recognition of things taking a turn is when he says, "Great power has always baffled primitive men," because the two guys who are not looking at the map, they look at each other like. Okay, whoa, that was that one was directed at us. Like what was like what's that about, you know? They give each other this look of like who why is he coming at us? You know, like uh like there's this, you know, little moment, but again, like it's exactly what you said of when you or sorry, what Andy said <laughs> of when uh of when like, you know, you're supposedly all on the same team and he says, "Sure, let me show you some weapons." They don't imagine it's going to be turned on them. You know what I mean? Because they're like, we're all part of the same team. Like, he's just going to fire at a wall or a target. Or sure. Something, you know okay. I mean? And that's and and that's that's a per- and like calling it an obvious gun is is not giving them credit because it does turn around and stuff. Right. I th- but I still think that he I like I'm fine with that explanation that there was no no way for them to to be clued in beforehand. That's fine. I don't think there was any way that he was just going to give them, a, a, you know, some guns, except for they said the wrong thing to him, so he snapped. I mean, my thought process almost is either he was going to give them some of the, like, just like a crate or two of the boxes, or not the boxes, the guns that they have, right, to be like, I'm going to make it look like we worked really hard on all of this, and then, but really we have this whole arsenal, or it is literally just like he has two interns making a few things to kind of keep, you know, Hitler and his crew, like, happy while they're, like, the rest of the team is doing this other thing. And then he's like, cool, cool, cool. Anyway, we're going to destroy you now. Thank you. But why would he do that, though? What's the reasoning behind keeping Hitler happy? It bides him time because, like, he, he, he needs a moment. Well, yeah, it, it, depends on how, it depends on how ready he is. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. 
because it's not another it's not another another no chance can it's not another two years before until he literally can get the plane up in the air to go do these things he's got to buy time to do stuff and it seems like you know the the communication is fairly slow between uh, Hitler and him because I mean, geez, they just found out that Norway that he had invaded Norway, which happened a year ago, right? And so it's it's a little it's a little slow for these things to kind of process, I guess. So, but but the thing is that he is he is revealing now by killing these three guys. Well, we don't know that because right. because we up. don't see that in in our conversation. But presumably right. something is up. He's he's acting fishy they're not going to be returning. And so there has to be some element going on in Hitler's ranks about like, you know, what is going on with these three guys? And how long do you wait to go, okay, something is up. They haven't checked in. They haven't phone called. They haven't, they made, they missed their flight. You know, like how long do you wait before you're like, uh, someone's Mm. up there. I just feel like he decided to do this the minute that they put the Tesseract in and it worked. The minute that he turned, he did the thing where he's like, let me just crank it all the way up. Good job, Zola. This this worked. We can do whatever. We can take over the world now. He stopped kowtowing to anyone in a foreign position of authority over him at that point in my mind. So anyone that's like, hey, these three guys are going to come for an inspection. He's like, cool, we can run a test. Maybe. But I mean, I also feel like, you know, I like so if you want to take over the world. But you're like, I've got to get some bombs ready. I've got to get this giant plane that can fly this great distance ready, right? All that other stuff. You don't want to be also fighting off, like, an invasion that entire time while also trying to assemble that stuff. So you're like, okay, if we just sort of, like, make things seem like normal as always, we can just sort of do this thing in secret and build our stuff up so that way we're not, like, distracted or pulling our forces or whatever, you know? But what if you're crazy and arrogant? I don't necessarily think he's crazy. Is that you don't think he's crazy? I don't. You don't. Sorry. Okay. What I mean by that is like, <laughs> hang on. Like, let's let's consider the that. Sane, right? All right. Like, we're talking about the sane Red Skull theory of Colin Parker. The, right. He is not crazy. Go ahead. <laughs> I okay. What I mean more of is that like I don't think he's like the Joker, right? Who is like literally, you know, insane is like chaos is all that I strive for, right? I think Define that this what is crazy a, is then, right? I mean, that's yeah. right. That that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is that like I think it's that idea of I have the power of the gods, but he does. It's it's not like some person who's just like I have the power of the gods. Watch me. You know. So why would he? Why would he worry about humans then? If he has the power of the gods, who? What? What force on earth can stop him? Exactly. So why would he? Why would he be like? Oh yeah, better give him the the because fake. He's not ready. He. D- he but ha- but he has the power does. of the gods. Gods are omnipotent. Why would we? Why would we wait? We can power everything, and then he's gonna. Because he didn't say he was omnipotent. He's gonna. Mm, to well, let's define what God is. And, and um, they, he might have the power, but he can't wield it. It has to be. It has to be right. funneled through all of this machinery and put into their weapons, like a little drop at a time. However, it works, and they have to. They have to take years to kind of develop all of this sort of stuff. So he knows he can't just pick this thing up and and start pointing it at people. Right. It it takes a process, and so. That's the thing. It's like, yes, he has this power, but he has to know exactly how to use it. And that's that's the thing. But he doesn't see consequences for this, does he? 
Technically, I think he does, because in 1942, when he says, like, you know, what, I forgot the exact line, but when the guy who's Filch is like, you know, you will burn for this, right? He's kind of like, ah, well, you know, perhaps he's like, but, you know, like, it's, he has this line of, like, I think he knows that there's a dangerous I already have. end game, <laughs> but, like, he's kind of like, I'm pretty sure I can beat it, the odds, though. But I'm seeing, like, he doesn't, fa- he kills these three dudes, and nothing happens. Right. Well, that's the consequence that how how long does the does the back and forth go on between like, is he just sending messages? Does he have his his, uh, you know, stenographer writing notes back to uh, to Berlin saying, oh, you know, the the craftwork guys are just hanging out here. We're having right. a great old time. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're they're up at the spa with some <laughs> ladies right now. Like, who or, knows? Or does he yeah. know that he, since he's a brilliant tactician, does he know that these three guys are no one and I can take him out with no consequences? It's, I mean, that's all very possible. Based on their, based on the ranks, I would assume no. But then I also question, like, why are they sending people of those ranks and not just a messenger boy or an army? I think to <laughs> crack down, you know. But I yeah. guess, I guess the idea is they're coming here to specifically crackdown and their representatives sent by Hitler himself right. to talk to him and to get things moving. I mean, they basically have come here to to say, you've got to get things going. We want to come back with some stuff. That's my yeah. impression. Yeah. To, to defend one final thing here is that I realize that I, I kind of made it seem as though I don't think Red Skull isn't crazy whatsoever. <laughs> I know. Right. I know. But like, I'm, I'm thinking like if you look at it as like a slider, right, like it's a video game, you're creating your character. I don't think Red Skull has it cranked all the way to 100% because I think there's a lot of like understanding of reality, understanding like, you know, he looks at like these myths and legends and says, I think there's something there. Right. And then he is correct. It's not like he's sure. It's not like the test rack doesn't exist. And he is still out like, you know, like, you know, literally like ripping his hair out, like going crazy over this, you know, this thing that just eludes his grasp. Like he does now have it. I think that like he's 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 crazy. But like there is like it is it is not like he's not a madman who has lost his mind. I think he's a megalomaniac, though. He's a scientist who's power hungry. Yeah, he's a megalomaniac. He says, I, I I am smart enough and powerful enough to have figured this thing out. I found it. I conquered it. I am now able to turn it into weapons so I can take over everything. I mean, he really has become somebody. If he wasn't checked by Dr. Erskine and Captain America, the fact that Steve Rogers did succeed in turning into a super soldier, that is the only thing. As he even said, he's like, that's the only thing that can stop us. And yeah, and he's right. I mean, otherwise he would have been able to take over the whole world. When does when does he say that? When that that's the only thing that can stop us? When he's when he's at the uh, at his portrait, the portrait, and that is before this or after this? This is before this. Before that's this. before this. Yeah, because so that's the only thing that can stop us. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, I think that again, that that is about um, uh, like being smug, being like self important, right? Right. So why would he be like, that's the only thing that can stop us as long as we play the secret, you know, pl- pretend to be meek, ga- long game? Again, that's just being a tactician. Why wouldn't he be like, I'm this big guy? How, like, is two years that long of a time to you, though? You know what I mean? Like, in, in the grand scheme of things, if you're going to overthrow the world, and then, you know, now your power is 
all power, right? From now until probably never, right? Like it would never end. Like you would just sort of hand down the reins to someone, right? Like two years is just like, it's inconsequential to you. If he feels that nothing else other than Captain America can defeat us, why would he, why would he make preparations for other things to defeat him? I think other things can slow him down. Okay. He, he says that he specifically, he says his serum, meaning Dr. Erskine's serum is the allies only defense against this power. We now possess. He doesn't know uh, that. He, I mean, at this point of the film, we're kind of assuming this is roughly the same day, you know, the uh, movie movie time. Is it the same day? We're saying it's the same day as what we just saw as far as with Captain America stopping uh, Kruger in the submarine. Right. Right. right so right. so assuming all of that, he has no idea at this point that the experiment has happened how many people yeah, are. And, and or or if if kruger even succeeded and so he's like they could if if he isn't stopped he could have a whole army of of people against us right so and like and that's where i think that like you know he understands that like if there's a thousand captain americas that's a that's a that's way where like hitler's forces would like slow them down but they would eventually you know win out but like that many super soldiers coming after him, he's like, all right, that's that's actually that's a little bit maybe more than I could. And so, like, to me, like, it's also the idea of someone being crazy in this regard. Right. Uh, I think that it sounds crazy to us because, like, if someone were standing in front of you and they were like, uh, like and they actually had the Tesseract and they were like, and now I'm going to take over the world. Right. You would say something along, like, you know, so many movies are like, you're mad, you're crazy, you've lost, right? Like, because to us, that's against, like, our morals and, like, our idea of, like, you can't just do that. Like, that's that's not how, you know what I mean? Like, so it's, I feel like it's you... It's the Thanos. It's the Thanos crazy. Like, are you crazy just for thinking that? Or are you crazy? Yeah, and yeah. I mean, like, I, I guess what I'm saying is, I put the idea of him being like, we'll give these guys some crates of guns to to shut them up and and so we can keep doing our secret machinations on the same level and maybe this is where i'm maybe this is where i'm wrong as if we saw a scene of him on the phone with the fuhrer and like oh yeah uh-huh things are going great and just lying and sort of kissing ass i don't see him doing that and this feels like that the idea of him being like here's your here's your hush guns so that you don't see that we're actually about to secretly take over. I feel like the plan was always when someone comes, we will destroy them and we will continue to destroy them until we have conquered the world. Well, and the problem that we end up with, and this is really where we end up with things is like the movie time. It's never really well defined unless you go into the Marvel wikis and figure out, oh, this is actually several years of time. Because as you watch the film, it just feels like it's playing out over. It could be days. It could be months. Who knows? But it feels like it's fairly quick. So I think. A lot of it is just storytelling. Like the filmmakers said, you know what? Right. We need to have uh, some conflict going on between the Nazis and Hydra we, so that we can show Hydra being powerful and that Schmidt has this grand vision. We need, we want, by this point, we want to show the audience what Schmidt's up to. And so we're going to reveal a weapon that is going to actually use the Tesseract power. Right. And um, and so I think a lot of it is just stuff that, you know, in, in context of a movie by minute, show this is the sort of minutiae that ends up kind of like driving us all nuts because 
because right. it's like why 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 now does this crazy. why does he kill those three people when he's got years of work to do still and now Hitler is going to be after right. him like uh, to a certain extent none of this will ever make sense so we're going to end up spinning ourselves uh, down this rabbit hole for exactly. a very long time and join us and next episode for that <laughs> yeah and so that's that's the issue and so I I don't think that there is ever going to be a clean answer it's just it's just how they've done it and so we just have to kind and it's of, how you yeah. interpret his whole thing and it's how yeah exactly yeah. i think the other thing to also kind of look at too right is that like the the phone call thing for you by the way right like imagine he's like uh-huh uh-huh meanwhile he's like literally filling out the plans pointing to some stuff like with an intro like covering the thing like that and then he's like, yep, great. He's like, yep, we'll send that right over. And then he hangs up and he turns to Arnim Zola. He's like, this idiot, right? And then, because it's like, he he doesn't matter. But like, you know, the other thing to consider here too is that he's also like being genius because he's uh, he's he's just kind of like, you know, doing it on someone else's um, company dime kind of sure. thing. You know I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I get it. I, I get it. But also the the fun thing about movies like this too is that like, so you have like the real war in like in our actual world, right? That, that we, the viewers, know about. And so the cool thing, to some extent here, is that you're like, okay, all of that was horrible, it's terrible, and these are, like, real stakes. But, like, then on top of that, like, because you're adding this fictional thing to it, you go, okay, but, like, imagine if there was someone who, if they weren't stopped, like, who was in the shadows the whole time, right, waiting for their moment to strike and then actually show that they could wipe out both sides of the equation like that, right? Like, then you realize that, like, this whole time there's this sort of secondary plot line essentially happening in the war that actually has way more at stake. And really, at the end of the day, a lot of people will probably never really hear all of the details because, like, that's sort of the hero's journey and the hero's sacrifice in this moment sort of thing. That's why they are able to take a story like this, set it in World War Two with you know the the allies and the nazis and come up with the story that actually works in context of what they're doing uh to kind of create this superhero story and so it's fun and, and i like what they do and i mean you know i, I don't want to go deep into all the other stuff but i mean they talk about the thousand year reich which is a real thing they talk about the fact that hitler was struggling feeding his troops which was a real thing and so all of this stuff kind of comes into this whole thing and uh, we've already talked about this a number of times in the show the fact that hitler was in fact having troops go out to try finding ancient relics and things because he there was some interest uh by him and in this sort of thing and what they could do and i mean you saw it used to great effect in raiders of the lost ark and stuff and so yeah yeah hitler searches for relics in the desert all of it works exceptionally well in what yeah, they're doing sure. the way they're crafting the film so yeah absolutely and listener I'm not a stick in the mud unless Colin is making a point that I disagree with, and then I will. <laughs> no, then at that point you're just crazy. I can. I'm like. I'm like. I step. <laughs> I stand there and I say, "No, you move." And as I've been told, that's a hero. Yeah, exactly. Thing to do. So I guess I'm just a hero. <laughs> no, but I love that the ambiguity is is my bread and butter, and that's yeah, yeah. if you yeah. like hearing Colin and I get into disagreements over things that aren't even on the screen, and there's no reason that you would know. Right. Timeline scavengers. Like, <laughs> check it out. Check Absolutely. It out. Fighting over minutia. Uh, well, this minute ends with, uh, it <laughs> seems like Schmidt is powering up this cannon, uh, yeah. and we don't really know what the plans are, but that seems to be what's happening. Zola's here. We haven't really even talked about the fact that he's here wandering around looking like, uh, you know, glassy eyed, like what, what is going on here? I didn't know you were bringing them in today. <laughs> it's, right. it's very funny. Um, 
But I mean, it kind of, and that's kind of where things are left. We, you know, we have Schneider calling him out saying it, you know, thank you for making it clear how obviously mad you are. And that's where the minute ends. So indeed, um, gentlemen, it has been a fun week. Uh, something we love doing at the end of the week with everybody is asking what of all of the films or comics or whatever, whatever the case may be, what would you say is your favorite Captain America moment? Wow. I know there are a lot. You know, okay, it's pretty recent, but something that I, I'm not necessarily sure if it's my all-time favorite. I, I sometimes struggle with that type of thing, because, like, every day it could change. Sure, right? oh, yeah, and I that, yeah, but like, fully acknowledge that. comics-wise, something that they did very recently is they've um, split Captain America's uh, title into um uh, james you definitely remember the, the sentinel of liberty and symbol of truth right. yeah uh and so one is uh, sam wilson and one is uh captain steve rogers and the way that they sort of decide on certain things at the very end of like the book that essentially sets this whole thing up is they both end up you know fighting the same uh villain together and like they they do this whole thing and like they're just talking they're having a conversation the whole time which is great because it shows that like this is not necessarily a challenge it's just just sort of like an every wednesday kind of thing for them right um and they for a brief moment they swap shields and he's like oh okay hey i like this new design nice yeah i like this yeah <laughs> uh and so like they do that and then they're doing this thing where they're like okay well you know what what do we think like are we going to go for like and they're going back and forth between different names that they could potentially use um, in this regard, and then like they they save the day, they win, and then they're just like, "Hey, what if we were just both Captain America?" They're like, "Why why put a like a weird label on it? Like they both are Captain America, so like why would they why would they make one of them choose a new name?" And they're just like, hey, "Yeah, yeah, sure, that works." And they they totally agree. It's like very like I don't know. It just shows the caliber of men that they are. And it's uh, it's a really nice moment oh. uh, that they share together, and I really like that. I really appreciated that. Uh, James, what about you? Well, most recently, I've been uh, as far as Captain America goes, I've been going through um, Ricky Barnes. Have you ever heard of Ricky Barnes? Is uh, in the Heroes Reborn universe, she was Bucky Barnes uh, because Bucky Barnes didn't exist in that universe, and she was like Juilliard trained dancer and stuff like that. So I've been reading a lot of sort of late 90s, early 2000s Captain America, and then also sort of catching up on like Civil War. I know catching up on Civil War is a wild thing to say in 2022, but um, yeah, <laughs> um, it's a, like, I like Captain America stuff where he, you think that he's going to go the Boy Scout route, but he goes the route of like, no, that's not. That's not what America means to me. It's this other thing. Right. Um, where he, you know, he, he keeps going like this is civil liberties. This is a private, you know, privacy matter. Because, uh, listener, that the civil war in the movies is over a different thing. The civil war is in the comic books because there's no mutants. Right. And I don't know. I just really like when Captain America isn't just like sort of the you know plain yogurt version of a superhero where it's like america where he's like no 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 this is something mm, i have my moment jessica jones the first uh comic the first basically the first bendis comic of jessica jones involves captain america in a way that is fantastic and is just what i'm talking about here where he is doing something where you're like oh that doesn't 
that's not really that does not really adding up. And then he basically turns out to be a really cool dude. And that's what that's the kind of Captain America that I really like is like he's both the captain of the you know, he's the president of the class and also a cool hang like a cool friend. And that's where <laughs> that's where I really like Captain America. So he's got some good moments with Spider-Man where he like kind of like lets loose. You know, for once, and like Spider Man also imagines that he's going to be very Boy Scout about stuff, and then he's like, "Oh, wait, you're actually like super cool to hang out with." And he's like, "I mean, why wouldn't I be? I've been known to like." I think he literally says something along the lines of like, "I've been known to cut a rug," and he's like, "What, what does that mean?" Like, and it's right. just so clear the time difference, and it's great where he's just like, "I, Steve, I'm so sorry. What That's are you so saying?" Funny. And he's like, "No, that doesn't. Okay, well, all right. Yeah. Anyways, there's lots of good stuff out there." Yeah, there is a lot of good stuff. Uh, check it out. Uh, Marvel Unlimited app. Yeah, you can uh, check out all sorts of great comics. We've talked about it on the show in our hiatus episode. And uh, yeah, it's just it's exciting to kind of check out all these stories. So, uh, well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me here all week. Absolutely. Talking about uh, these five minutes, a great set of minutes. So it was fun. It's weird to dig into something again and realize that we hadn't unearthed right. enough of the the things about it because that happens <laughs> several times more, yeah. yeah i love that yeah, that's awesome more. podcasts yeah, that's very cool gotta love it <laughs> remind <laughs> everyone about your podcast speaking of and uh, where they can tune in absolutely so timeline scavengers is the podcast it's the show that is designed to last forever it's the show where James and I go through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, uh, until the end of time. So we start off with the dawn of time in Thor, A Dark World. Uh, and then, you know, we move on to 10,000 uh, BCE in Black Panther and so on and so forth. Currently, we're in 1943 uh, with Captain yeah. America. Yeah. Look hey. at that. Yeah, look at that. Look at that. <laughs> That's exactly where we are right now. Uh and uh, we're moving through, going in that direction, and uh, you know we'll be in the 90s next year. So that just sort of shows where we're at right now. Um, and again, all of our links are in the show notes for this show. But just real quick, the, um, I just want to say, when we have new stuff, like if you go to a movie and there's like a flashback, and you're like, how is Timeline Scavengers handling this? Right. We will cover it and put it in the newest point of the feed. And then kick it back to, to where it goes in the feed. So don't worry about just if you subscribe to our feed, you will get all of the thing. We we had it going differently initially, but we have this thing where it's like you're going to get the new episodes, even if they exist and they're like pickup episodes in the past. Right. Thrown in there somewhere. They squeeze in. Exactly. So and then end up popping right. in. Yeah. Exactly. And so like Ms. Marvel currently is the most recent example of this. There was uh, five scenes, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, that were flashback scenes, and so we covered them, and uh, they're being edited, and then like they're they're going to be published, and then they uh, after a week they get pushed back into the actual spot in the timeline. So then, if you're listening through that way, it'll show. Yeah, right. So if you yeah. start now, it is they it will be where they 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 happen right. right because especially yeah. if you if you right. go on all through of 1931, which I it's a good time, but it is 60 episodes, so yeah, it is long. Yeah, so. <laughs> So anyway, check uh, check out the show in the show notes, and you can tune in to that along with anything else over on their network. So a lot of fun. Both of you, uh, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to to jaw with you about all of this crazy stuff. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, cutting a rug, jawing, all thank this you for sort of us. stuff, right? Appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, uh, you know, really um, yeah. dancing. Sometimes people just use the word, all right? That's not old-fashioned. That's just... (laughs) 
Peggy Carter says it, so whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. She's great. All right, you two. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll have you back next season to talk Absolutely. about the Avengers. Yes. yes. Uh, moving into something else. Uh, and that's it for this week, everybody. So thanks as always. And until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Spread the News by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm, and if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show.